Why do I find it so hard When I know in my heart I'm letting you down every day Letting you down every day Why do I keep on running IBS Jesus. I uh, just muted my mic by accident. But I'm um, coming at you guys, episode three, talk to talk. Um it's gonna be a call in show today, so that means anybody if you want to call in the number six four six 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 eight two five one zero. Uh you call in, you can jump in on the topic if you want to, or you can change the topic to something that you want to talk about. Doesn't really matter to me. We got an hour or at least till ten o'clock. Or till I run out of breath, either one. But um, if you guys want to call in, you can. Um, usually I have my co-host with me, Maurice, and we just talk about something random to start out with. Um, let's see. It's been a lot going on this week, but I guess the only random thing I want to say is uh, shout out to Cardi B and City Girls. If you haven't seen the video, <laughs> go check out the video. Um. If Maurice was here, I had this I had this uh pretty good um sports comparison to the City Girls uh twerk video and then uh tip drill. Because um, I saw somebody make a post about how you can't compare the two. Um it's like comparing Jordan and LeBron and then I really gave it some thought and I was like, you know what? I guess I guess you can say that because this LeBron is the new era's Jordan. Uh, anybody that actually grew up and saw Jordan, uh, you can't tell them nine times that LeBron is better. Anybody that snuck behind their parents' back and watched Tip Drill um, on um, BT Out the Dark in, in the basement, and you saw the unedited version, you probably would look at the twerk video thing and just say, that's just an extended uh, montage of things we see on Instagram every day or Snapchat, so it is what it is, but I thought that was a, a funny a funny thing, comparing it, like, to making a sports reference to the videos. Anyway, there's <clears throat> been a lot going on uh, in sports, as always. Um, I, I would say the funniest thing to happen all week was probably the New York Jets hiring of Adam Gase. If you missed it, um, it's quite possibly one of the funniest and strangest interviews or introductions of all time. Um, Gase is really just Gase's face, like the entire time. I don't know if if maybe there was like lights on in the something to make the stage brighter, or or if he just has trouble seeing. But his eyes were like super wide, and his facial expression was almost like when he was talking. 
his his basically his eyes didn't really match uh match his tone. And uh, I mean he looked like he was on something for real. And we were making jokes left and right in the group. And I know some people were making jokes, you know, some of my friends and stuff are making jokes about uh he's he's leaving uh Miami and uh going to New York and then, you know, you you think about how Miami had uh the one coach who was who coped up pretty good and I was like, man, he got that authentic stuff down there, and he must have brought something back with him to New York. But um, from a from an X's and O's standpoint, I don't really know if this really makes any sense. You know, um, there's been a lot of questionable hirings in the NFL over the last couple of years. Anyway, um, Gase is more qualified than uh, than Cliff uh, Kingsbury or Queensbury in um, in Arizona, but. You hire from within your division and a guy who wasn't necessarily successful, but I guess the people in New York looked at at the totality of the situation in Miami. They were plagued by injuries, plagued by injuries. And um, up until probably about week 13 or 14, he had them in the hunt for a wild card or at least in the conversation and and I guess they were looking at that and, and I mean if you do look at that in fact he never had Tannehill. Uh they traded away a lot of guys when he came in. Um possibly the most important of all of them was uh and, I mean, not Tannehill, uh Landry and uh Ajay. But um he still I guess found some relative success and I guess that's what they're looking at. Plus he is known as a as a QB guy. Um worked with Cutler Cutler wasn't all that bad, I think, in, in Chicago. And then, of course, his tenure with uh, Peyton Manning. But Peyton Manning was he was washed then, you know. So I, I don't know. I think he. I've always thought he was a little overrated. Got a little too much credit. Um, I admittedly didn't watch enough of the Dolphins to to really say that um, wholeheartedly. But um, that's just just my perception of it. But either way, um, there's a new era. In, in the Jets organization, um, Gase, for what is worth, if his eyes, if he's really excited as his eyes showed, <laughs> should have a lot of energy in that organization and should be uh, pretty successful moving forward. Um, another interesting storyline out of the, the AB, is he, is he going, is he staying, um, is uh, I want to say really – what goes on for the Cowboys um, in the offseason? And I wish Maurice was here uh, to talk about it. I know a lot of Cowboy fans get upset when you bring up their team, but it just doesn't make any sense not to talk about it. They got a young core. I mean, Cooper played better than some of us expected, not better than others, but some of us out there were, were naysayers on the trade, and uh, Coop played halfway decent. Um, I would say he's he's earned his right for uh, – for a big payday, um, you still got to pay Zeke at some point uh, in the next two years. I think they still have to pay Dak in the next two years. They got a lot of dead money coming off. I think it's about $36 million of dead cap coming off. Uh, most of that is Dez and Romo. But um, Lawrence needs to be paid. Pass rushers are at a premium right now. The guarantees are going to be through the roof. Um, he's earned his contract and he's coming off a franchise tag. That's going to raise it even more, I think. Um, so that's going to be interesting because I looked it up and let's say they don't re-sign anybody uh, heading into 2000 and I want to say 20. They'll have like $105 million worth of cap space or something like that. So you've got a running back who's under 25 or under 28, let's put that. Running back under 28, quarterback under 28, a receiver that's right around that age, and a premier pass rusher, which I don't know if people want to give Lawrence that, that tag yet, but I, I think he's earned it. I, I think he's done really well over the last couple of years that you can say he's one of the up-and-coming pass rushers, especially in the NFC and uh, primarily in the NFC East, but he's he's the anchor to their pass rush on their, on their defense for sure. Um, that's that's a high price to pay, and and the running back market is changing. I don't think anybody could argue that Zeke isn't the most important aspect of that uh, 
of that big three or the, what do they call them, the triplets or something like that. But either way, if they were to create another triplets, um, I remember vaguely because uh, I, was, I was really young, but I remember a little bit about how Emmett Smith had some issues with his contract too. Um, Zeke's a, he's prime real estate for running backs in, in that position. Gurley just got paid. People were making comparisons about it. You know, who's better, especially in our group, who would you rather have, Zeke or Gurley, or in this game coming up, who's going to have the better game? Either way, the Todd Gurley contract seems to be the staple of, of highest-paid running backs. So um, Le'Veon still due to get his contract. Um, I would say Zeke probably thinks he's better than both of them, and rightfully so if he thinks that. Um, I don't think he is, but he can be just as important to a team the Cowboys didn't use him in the passing game as much as they could have. And then towards the end of the season, you saw him get mixed in a lot more uh, in the passing game. But he's the, he's that caliber back. He's that caliber back that can catch out the backfield, uh, that can run for 100 yards and get you 60, 70 on the ground if you give him enough targets and somebody that you have to pay attention to every single down. So um, the Cowboys fired their offense coordinator, um, Scott Linehan, I would love to see who's the new coordinator and how they're going to use Zeke and Coop. And if Dak Prescott can make um, a stride next year as a passer, because that would also um, be an issue for their cap space because they're going to demand more. Right now, I think Dak's calling for about $25 million on uh, spot track. If you look at the estimated um, price tag per season or per year, about $25 million. So, that's not too bad. That that's kind of the the running, um, what you're gonna get for a quarterback. He's got a couple of playoff wins now. Um, blame Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins organization for that. Um, ironic, if you don't believe me, before Kirk Cousins before Kirk Cousins got franchised the second time, he was worth about twenty million on the market, maybe twenty one million. He got franchised the second time, and I think that boosted him up to about $24 million, um, based on his market value because he had uh, he had a pretty decent year. And that wasn't even factoring in, like, playoff wins. You know, that was just, just stats alone. And uh, that's, that's kind of crazy. So it's one of those age-old arguments. When, when you look at somebody like Dak Prescott, are you paying for the wins? Are you paying for potential? Because his stats aren't necessarily the greatest, but they're not that bad either. So what do you, what are you paying him for, and how much is that really worth? So uh, that's an interesting storyline going forward that I think some people might want to talk about sooner than later. Uh, the other storyline running in the NFL right now is actually a mixture of NFL and college. And also some baseball, but uh, that's what you get when you talk about Colin Murray. He's the dynamic, highest top 10 MLB drafted player, and he has chosen to go to football, I guess. It depends on who you ask. depends on where you're looking uh, for your news. It's an interesting um, situation. It's very unique. I know people keep making boats and comparisons and stuff like that, but I don't I don't know in my lifetime we've never had a, a guy who won the Heisman, like was considered the best collegiate football player out and also a top ten in baseball. Now the only thing I can think of somebody who was a Heisman winner and legitly had other options in another sport comes off the top of my head is Charlie Ward. Um, he went to the NBA, and he was a high-caliber uh, athlete as well in Florida State. Um, I mean, Dion, Dion was was an incredible athlete, and he had success playing uh, both sports, depending on who you ask, but I don't think he was as highly touted coming out of college as uh, Colin Murray. I think most people just assumed he would play. Uh, football, but I don't, I don't know. I was pretty young then, so I would have to go back and look. But either way, very unique. Um, I started out, I started out a little 
hesitant to support Kyler Murray and his endeavor to uh, play professional football. And the only reason why I said that um, is because I was just in the, the old school thought process. Kyler's too small. Um, not that he'll get hurt. Kyler's too small that he can't see over these six foot five, six foot six linemen that he's going to have to throw um, over when they're protecting him. And you worry about his hand size. Can he protect the ball in the pocket? And and those things really do matter. Um, these scouts really take that stuff into consideration. Um, but what got me out of that train of thought was just some self-evaluation and, and me just thinking to myself that how could I possibly say this about such an athlete that that I would really question if he could find success in today's game. The NFL game, I think, is changing a little. Um, I think what we're seeing with athletes is that they're given more freedom than in years past, and that's why we're seeing a little bit more um, – RPO and creativity, uh, spread offenses, and just just people willing to take more chances. And that's not only in their play calling, but also um, in who they pick to uh, play on the field. And with that being said, I think this is this is the perfect time for somebody like Kyler Murray to uh, to take a leap into the NFL and, and try his hand. Uh, the news of um, uh, Cam Newton potentially sitting out for the year due to sh- shoulder surgery, I think really helps Kyler Murray. Uh, the fact that Oregon's quarterback didn't come out really helps Kyler Murray. Uh, Tua is not eligible yet. Um, really, his only competition is Haskins, and Haskins is probably the better pure passer per se, but he's not nearly the athlete that Kyler is, and his technique is probably better. I haven't broken it down or taken a look at it, just thinking off of what I saw throughout the year. His technique's better, but Kyler's more athletic and plays off script a lot more. So you're going to see unorthodox throws and, and uh, improvised uh, improvised just playmaking throughout the whole process of a play. Uh, a mix of what you see with Baker Mayfield, I think, um, you know, off the top of my head, he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson in the fact that he has a similar throwing motion, I guess because they play baseball, but I think it's a similar throwing motion and just his ability to, to just create. And and if you let him stay in the game, he will make you pay. Um, and that, and I have those games where he's had a turnover or two um, or miscue here and there, but he's always – He's always had that thing about him, which I see in Russell, that no matter how bad their uh, their game may be or, or whenever there's a moment where they mess up, they always stay focused and they always end up bringing their team back. Um, and I think that's an intangible that could really help uh, Kyler find success in the NFL. Um, I think it also depends on whoever picks them if they're going to be open-minded which we saw with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens a little, where they tried to get a little creative and uh, they embraced him um, and, and his ability as a, as a runner and a playmaker. Um, Kyler doesn't necessarily need to be embraced as a runner, but I think uh, people need to embrace the fact that he's not going to be a, a three-step, five-step guy. Um, he's not. It's just not going to work for him. Um, he's also not tall enough, honestly, for that, I don't think. To, to be like the main staple of his ability in the NFL. So uh, Baker Mayfield having success that he had last year really helps him. Um, I think Baker's a little bit bigger than Kyler, but still I think one of the gripes about people or that people had about Baker when he was coming out was that he was too small. And, and for a rookie, he did really well. I'm, I wouldn't go as far as to say he lit the league up, but he definitely took the lead by surprise, and, and I think that's going to really help Baker May, uh, help Kyler Murray next year. Um, so that was pretty much all I had on NFL. Quick recap of the, the playoffs. I mean, everybody saw it. Uh, the Eagles fell short. The Colts, I thought that the Colts were due for a hiccup. I didn't like the fact that the Colts didn't score the entire second half of the Texans game. 
And I think that kind of caught up to them because they didn't score the entire first half of the Chiefs game. And then the um, the Patriots blowing out the Chargers. I will say that is somewhat surprising. I expected the Patriots to win. And uh, if you're into the gambling aspect, I kind of hesitated on the cover being four. But then the more I thought about it, the more I was like, yeah, they'll cover that. And I mean, I wouldn't say that I was shocked by anything other than how they did it or the the severity of the whipping. I mean, they, I think they had like 40 in the first half. I found myself in like the third quarter asking, why am I still watching this? And I flipped to like college basketball. But um, that was surprising. I, I think if you look, if you want to look at the gambling lines and if you're into that or if you want to just assess what we have coming up this Sunday, I think a lot of people are high on the Patriots um, because of how they beat the Chargers. I mean, if you want to go that far back and say, well, the Chargers went to uh, Kansas City and won, um, I don't really, I wouldn't really put too much factor, factoring into um, into that aspect of, well, the Chargers did this versus the Chiefs, so the Patriots can do this. They're two different teams, and, and then two, um, the Chargers are very familiar with the with the Chiefs, and 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 they play division games, and I'm pretty sure. I want to say it was a Thursday night anyway or something crazy like that, but there's a lot going on that kind of favored the uh, the Chargers in that matchup. Now, with that being said, I am not that convinced that the uh, that the Patriots are going to come in the Arrowhead and just whip up on the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are probably on their way to the Super Bowl. Um, I would go as far as to say I think the Chiefs will win this Sunday. But it's, it has nothing to really do with them being the better team. I just think it's just Patrick Mahomes so magical. Um, I don't know if the personnel of the Patriots is really there to stop with the Chiefs from doing whatever it is that they want to do, whenever it is that they want to do it. Whereas I think that the uh, personnel is there for the Chiefs on defense, who's been very underrated, especially up front, to really disrupt a lot of uh, the Patriots' uh, offense. So I think it'll be an interesting matchup, but I can see I can see the Chiefs winning uh, probably on like a last possession type thing. So um, give me about two seconds. We're gonna take a, a quick break, and when we come back, we'll finish up the recap of the playoffs. talking about the Chiefs and Patriots, and um, I think the Chiefs will win there. Um, the spread is still three. I don't, I don't really agree with people that, that the uh, that the line is disrespectful for having the uh, Patriots as the underdog. I would, I would feel disrespected or think that it was disrespectful if the Patriots were coming in the Arrowhead favorite. So, um, should be like should be an interesting game. Um, more so to see how the Patriots go about trying to slow down the uh, Chiefs offense because Belichick is very good at game planning, which is an understatement. But either way, um, I think it's just one of those things that's going to be interesting. Uh, the next game, 
Um, Saints and Rams. I think it's still a three-point spread. Uh, my my heart is telling me not to go against what is basically uh, the trend. The Saints are very good at home. Um, they've got the turf. Um, that dome just does something uh, for that team, and it, and it'll it'll definitely with the crowd there. It's definitely inspiring and, and motivating. Um, but I just can't shake the fact that I think this is a vulnerable Saints team. I really do. I, I know I've been in the group uh, campaigning and champion that this is the best team in the NFL. But most of that is just a gimmick. Uh, I always pick something to, to get on people's nerves about uh, to, to boost the audience and then just to go against Corey in general during the NFL season. So we've been kind of at odds, but I will say and I will admit that I do feel like I don't want to say that they're frauds. I don't think that's the right word, but I do think that they're vulnerable. And um, with that being said, I don't know if the turf is that much of an advantage um, when you're playing against uh, McVay in this offense. So what are we looking at? I think we're looking at defense here in this game. And we're looking at the fact that the defensive line for the Rams, when it comes to pass rushing, should do fine against the um, against the Saints uh, offense. I think the Eagles did great against them. Uh, one of the reasons why I was favoring the Eagles on the spread uh, was because of that pass rush. Um, also, was one of the reasons why I wasn't I wouldn't have been surprised if the Eagles had won because um, I was anticipating some forced turnovers. Um, but with that being said, in that game over, I think it's still the same threat, more of a threat uh, coming from the pass rush of the Rams. So what the Rams need to do is they need to, which is virtually impossible for this defense, but they need to put the Saints in passing yardage down and not just like the, the quick passing yardage, but they need to actually put them in like some third and longs. Uh, one of the other things, too, is that, they just need to admit that they can't really cover man-to-man and just bracket Michael Thomas and, and make somebody else beat them. Make somebody else beat them. Make Drew Brees utilize Kamara in, in the passing game. Make make that happen. Make make him throw the tag in. Make him uh, use these other guys because it's just, it's just, to me, too obvious this year that if you can take away – Michael Thomas to a certain degree. You can't stop the man, but if you can limit uh, his usage, the, the Saints don't really have a plan B. Uh, we we haven't seen that balance, I don't think, this year. And, and they've they've struggled some games offensively because of that. Um, but I, I think if there's any week for Sean Payton to go back to what made the Saints special uh, last year, I think it's, it's this week. They're going to need Kamara and Ingram, and they're going to need to to really go at the um, go at the Rams. But again, you can't really run at them up the gut, obviously, because of Sue and uh, Aaron Donald. But off tackle, man, I mean, they've got the speed for it, and and Ingram's got the vision. I don't think Kamara's got good vision, but Ingram's got great vision. I, they've got the assets to get it done, and uh, I think this would be a good week to to really attack there. But you've got two incredible offensive minds. Uh, the same way we saw McVay kind of dial down the passing game and, and, and the the fanciness and, and really go attack the uh, Dallas Cowboys uh, defense is just in a real smash mouth style. I think we'll um, we'll get elements of that from uh, from Sean Payton this week. But again, I don't I don't see this going in the way that I could say the Rams don't cover the three. I think it comes down again. I really think both games come down to last possession field goals or just last possessions in general. I really think they'll be that competitive. Um, and it should be. We've got the, the one and two uh, teams in their respective conferences, so it should come down to that. Uh, so I look forward to seeing those games this weekend. Um, I look forward to seeing – uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but UVA versus Duke in college basketball um, is going to be a very big game. High energy. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, that uh, Jones went down the way he did, um, but 
you still got two of the top three recruits in their respective class on the team. And and I remember I was listening to, I think Jay Williams was saying that. He was saying that um, it didn't really matter that, that uh, their point guard went down because they still got Zion, uh, they still got Reddish, and they still got, um, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on the other kid. It's real disrespectful. But uh, they still got those kids on their team. I was I was thinking I disagreed, but then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, it is true, though. That, that Duke team is still good enough to beat most teams in the country. But I've watched UVA a couple times this year, and I got to say that this is probably their best team that they've ever had. Uh, and it's not because of the defense. It's because of their ability to actually be able to score, to actually be able to win one ones. Like, they've got legitimate creators. Uh, in their starting five, they don't have to run these basic sets anymore, and 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 just the slow style of play where they dribble out the ball for twenty five seconds, basically, you know, like, and then they got to get uh, free throws. They don't have to play like that anymore. They actually can uh, score, and and I think we saw that uh, if you watch them play, Tech Tech's got a pretty good defense. I think it's the top ten defense in the nation. Uh, one of the top tens, if not top tens, got to be top twenty-five. They, I mean, they were holding teams to about sixty points a game, and and UVA put up almost eighty on them, I think. So, um, it's a good time for the uh, Cavaliers to catch the Blue Devils, um, but they are home. They are in Cameron Indoor, and I mean, you know, you still got one of the best athletes in the nation in in Zion. So it, it's not going to be easy. Uh, there's one thing I'll give Coach K credit for is that he'll always have his team ready. Um, so uh, this is Bennett's moment, though. I think I think this is his his statement game this year, at least. This is their statement game. So I'm uh, going to that. That line is at two for anybody that's interested in that. Um, I, I it opened at four and a half, and I was really I was really all over that, but. Um, Obviously, me and, like, everybody else was all over it because it went down a lot, and it went down pretty quick. So um, that'll be one of my games that I want to see on Saturday. Um, I wouldn't say Michigan and Wisconsin, but I don't think Wisconsin is that good, man. And I'm actually surprised. Like, I would say I'm shocked that this line is so low on the Michigan-Wisconsin game. I'm going to check that out later. Um I guess I guess there isn't any more interesting college basketball matchups. Uh Auburn and Kentucky might be interesting, but I don't think people are really high on Kentucky this year. And Auburn's actually one of the more exciting teams to watch, but Virginia Duke pretty much got it all locked. I think that's the one game that everybody really wants to see. Um, Virginia versus Duke. And that game is actually at six PM. Uh, which is a weird time. You think it'd be prime time, but no, it's 6 p.m. So if you're looking to watch that, get on it. Um, switching over, so I'm gonna wrap this up here soon because I know everybody doesn't want to just hear me talk. But uh, switching over to some more miscellaneous sports, uh, boxing. We got a Manny Pacquiao fight this weekend, and nobody's really talking about it. <laughs> uh, it just goes to show you how far the mighty have fallen. Um, not even just Pacquiao, but Adrian Broner. Adrian Broner was at one time supposed to be the next Floyd Mayweather, and, you know, that hap- that fall was real quick. Um, shout out to Marcus uh, Maidana for shutting that up real quick. But uh, Pacquiao versus Broner, it's got, I guess if I had to get it a, give it an inter- entertainment rating on a scale of 1 to 10, about a 5. Out of five, and that's just because I don't think that Adrian Broner takes boxing serious anymore. If you could convince me, or if Broner could convince me that he really took boxing serious, uh, I would say the entertainment factor on this would be like a nine. But the fact that he doesn't take it serious, the fact that he still doesn't really keep his hands up, he depends too much on his athleticism, and he doesn't move his head. I just don't see how Manny don't don't beat him. I don't want to say knock him out because, I mean, 
I try to respect people who've never been knocked out before or let alone very rarely been knocked down. Um, so I don't wanna I don't wanna say Pacquiao gonna knock him out, but he definitely gonna beat him and and the thing about Manny, if Manny let his hands go, even in in his older age, he can still put a hurt on you and if you're not moving and you're not effectively counter punching, you're gonna get beat down. Um, that's one thing Broner could potentially do though, because he does have hand speed. That ain't going nowhere. But it's just it's just the timing's off, I think, and, and like I said, this question is his commitment to it. And, com- and if you're not committed to the sport, you're not going to be committed to the game plan, and you just it's just going to show, and I think that's what we've seen over uh, the course of Adrian Broner's career, is that uh, he, he just hasn't been committed to the sport. You could say what you want to say about the majority of flashy boxers. If you want to say Mayweather, you can say Mayweather. If you want to say Roy Jones, you can say Roy Jones. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else that was flashy and cocky and not as daddy or that people didn't like, but I guess Mayweather and Roy would be the first two uh, black people that I would think of in my, in my era of boxing that uh, talked a lot of smack and, and just, you just could never really catch them for the most part because they were dedicated. When Roy started doing, um, doing these movies and, and, and like, or just acting a fool with the rap rap videos and everything, then you kind of see where he started. It, it declined on him a little bit, and, and his just reflexes dulled, and, and he got caught, and he got caught a lot after that. Um, but there's something about respecting your craft as a fighter, and I just never have seen that with uh, Broner uh, throughout his career, and, and that's just why I've never really backed him or had faith in him. Um if he wins, it'd definitely be a shock. Um, but I don't think he will. I don't I don't think I don't think he can win. Um there's also another fight um coming up and I had it written down, but like I said, I, I was I had all notes and everything ready, but um I didn't have my co host with me. But uh oh. Canelo versus Jacobs got announced. Um a lot of people are not familiar with Danny Jacobs, but he's got a great story. He had cancer. Uh, he was one of the rising stars in the sport at the time. Um, he took obviously some time off to uh, to fight the cancer. Um, the cancer went into remission, and my man came back with a vengeance. With a vengeance. As a matter of fact, I think he lost one. I think he lost his fight before uh, they found the cancer, which was really unfortunate because he was he was a uh, uh, Undefeated prospect coming up through 154, 160. Um, I mean, they were, they were. It was him and Peter Quillen was there around the time Kid Chocolate, and uh, I mean, they were, they were the the scene. Everybody was excited uh, when they fought two young African American prospects, and um, he took a loss. I want to say to uh, one of the Eastern European guys. And uh, it wasn't just a loss, or maybe it was the maybe it was the Japanese. But either way, I think he got knocked out. Um, as a matter of fact, um, but um, he went and battled the cancer, and came back. I mean, he was on a tear, and it, it's a great story. Um, and I rarely get caught up in stuff like that. Um, but it really was a, it really was a great story, and I'm glad to see him back. Uh, matter of fact, yeah. So he, it was Purog, which is which is funny because he's on a footnote in the middleweight division, but that that was probably his signature win there. But uh, he him out in the fifth round, um, and then Jacobs won his next fight, and then was diagnosed with uh, the cancer. So um came back, fought triple G, um, and what I would consider the spirit effort, but some people don't. But either way he fought triple G uh, the fight with Canelo and some pushover, uh he, he brings it. So it'll be a good fight. Uh, I don't I gotta see how the training is going and, and, and before I start making predictions and stuff. But uh I, I wholeheartedly believe that this will be Canelo's most challenging fight to to this date. 
I don't think Triple G is as good as everybody thinks he is. I don't think for anybody that can move and got some hand speed, uh, I don't think Triple G is that tough. But whatever. Uh, some people rate him a lot. And I have, um, and he's also old, uh, which is something that people don't talk about. The guy's old, man. Triple G, almost forty, you know. And, and Canelo's probably just—I I always forget how uh, old he is because he—he started so young. I think he was like twenty-one when he fought Mayweather, and that was like a decade ago. So uh, he's in his early thirties at best, like barely thirty. And Jacobs is probably like thirty-three. So uh, it's a good it's a good fight. Somebody close to his age range gonna have the energy, um, and it's it's a good fight that you know if you win you hang your hat on it. So kudos to him for stepping up, not taking some garbage fight or God forbid a, a third fight. Personally, I think you ever you should never have a rubber match if the first two fights uh, were not like split. I mean. Canelo won those fights. Whether we agree or not, it don't matter. The official rulings is that he won those fights. So there's really no need for a uh, for a third fight. But some people want to see it. I don't. Um, there's also some miscellaneous fights coming through uh, this spring. Terrence Crawford fighting Amir Khan should be entertaining. Um, Khan's going to do a little bit better than I think people give him credit for. But typical of any Khan fight, you just... Hold your breath and wait and see when you're going to get knocked out or knocked down. So we'll see how that goes. And then uh, the return of Keith Thurman is a is a big deal for the welterweight division uh, to get him active again. And then obviously um, Earl Spence will be fighting Mikey Garcia, which I think is a grossly uh, hyped up mismatch. But that's what Mikey wants. Mikey going to get it. We'll see how it goes. Got a lot of heart, but it don't really matter how big your heart is. If you if you're in, in combat sports, sometimes a big heart gets you hurt, and and I would hate to see him uh, get hurt in in the fight that he doesn't really need. Uh, God didn't even hurt anybody at 140. Now he's moving up to fight probably the best 27 fighter um, out who spars routinely with middleweights and 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 other heavier guys. So. We'll see how it goes for him. Um, I, I think a lot of people in his camp don't really want this fight, so if he has a bad camp, he's definitely not going to stand a chance. Um, but boxing, boxing's coming back a little, slowly but surely. Uh, social media has helped a lot with that. Um, they've also jumped into the streaming um, business where now pay-per-views are no longer, uh, the majority of pay-per-views are no longer on television. What they're trying to do is, is make you subscribe to the, the zone. Um, I call it Dazzin, but it's D-A-Z-N, the zone. But you subscribe to that and you get um, boxing matches through your subscription. And it's it's, it's like $10 a, month, $10 a month or something like that. But they're supposed to put on fights like again or something like that. So they've got fighters signed to that label which I think that's replacing HBO. Showtime is still out here. Uh, put the fights, but for how long? I don't know. Um, now that Floyd Mayweather is not really in the business of boxing anymore, and he was kind of a cow. Uh, same with um, how Mike Tyson pretty much carried HBO for the longest time. Um, Mayweather was carrying uh, Showtime, and, and there really hasn't been somebody um, to replace him. So, Interesting is Manny Pacquiao is signed with PBC, which is more or less under the Showtime umbrella. If maybe they flip it and use Manny's last couple years to to kind of boost it again, but the days of of anybody considering paying ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cent for pay per view, they're almost dead. So that's why you see kind of capping at seventy nine. And like I said, the the, the zone um, is. Nine dollars, ten dollars a month, something like that. So, um, well, I think streaming for fights is is where where people are going uh, now. So, still kind of a pay per view, but not necessarily a pay per view. So, um, no, ESPN has gotten in on that with ESPN Plus. I I, I actually pay the five dollars a month for it. Um, I kind of grip about it, but I mean, it's the only way I would be able to really watch. 
navigate, especially these small schools, um, and, and get the information that I get that I use for um for my gambling. So it's is I mean I pay for the WNBA subscription, so I don't really have any shame. If I'm making money off of it, I'll, I'll go ahead and foot the bill for the subscription. It's nothing. You, you'll get that back in no time, you know. Um, so if if people find it worth their time, with UFC coming in, I can see some mixed cards, UFC and boxing, and then they'll probably charge you a separate, like, $29.99 or something like that. So you can get that. So um, they, they're trying. Like I said, they're trying to keep up with the times, and I, and I think that's good for sports. Uh, MLB has a great subscription uh, tool that they use at bat. Uh, I think it's awesome. And you can watch you can watch your your game for your team, or you can get national subscription. You can watch any game, but um, it still like designates um matchups and stuff for your team to watch and, and give you stats and information. I, it's really my favorite app. I hate the NFL app. And the NBA app has made some changes over the last couple of years. It's pretty good, but I still think NBA has the best subscription on the TV uh, outside of, obviously, Sunday Ticket, which is by default, I think, is, is the best. But NBA... NBA um, they what their subscription is called, but the subscription that you get on cable is pretty good for NBA. Uh, the app is is okay. It's a little funky at times. NFL app has never works for me. It makes me mad. Um, the radio portion of it is is trash. <laughs> uh, so I'm not a big fan of the NFL app. And and for the price you pay for it, it needs to be really good. I mean, MLB gives me discounts on their apps all the time. Um, primarily because they probably just want people to subscribe. But either way, I I pay a third of what I pay for the NFL, and I and I'm getting a product that's like a hundred times better for for a fan experience, you know. So um, something to look at. Like I said, boxing's kind of headed that way. Um, we'll see other sports try to come up with better methods of streaming because you can't really stop it. It is it's everywhere now. So it's best to just figure it out on your own. Um, let's see. We talked about college football. We talked about the transfer portal. Um, I need to bring on one of our college football heads for that. I'd rather get one of them on. So we'll skip that conversation this week. I'll I'll bring somebody in that's gonna be more of an expert on it. Uh, I just know the big names like everybody else and, and honestly I I can't make any sense of why uh, Oklahoma took uh, my man Hurts. So um, I'll just wait, like I said, and get an expert on here, and we can talk about that. NBA action is the return of Boogie Cousins tonight. I will actually tune in to my first Warriors game tonight because I want to see my boy play. Um, Outside of that, I have no interest to see the Golden State Warriors play anymore. I can't stand Kevin Durant. I can't stand Klay Thompson. I can't stand Draymond Green. And I can't stand that I can't stand Steph Curry because he's just a nice guy. I mean, how do you hate Steph Curry? I don't know. You have to be a Clippers or a Cavalier fan to hate Steph. He's a nice guy. Um, but with that being said, I, I don't really I'm, – I'm not big into the, the Warriors no more. They've, they finally reached the uh, the level – of what I used, I used to hate on the Cavaliers because they were too good, or the Heat because they were too good. Now I guess I need to start hating on the Warriors because they're too good. Uh, the biggest news coming out of the NBA was Clint Capella being out five weeks, I think, and then the fact that James Harden is con- still continuing to tear up the league, like forty points a night. It's ridiculous. The other night, the other night they had a prop for James Harden points. And it was over 41.5. I've never seen a prop that high for anybody. The highest I've ever seen uh, in, like, my last four to five years, I think, was, like, 35. And that was for maybe um, maybe LeBron or maybe it was Harden that was 35. But either way, 41 points, ridiculous, man, (laughs) ridiculous. But he's the only person on that team right now that can score. Like, so I guess I guess it's worth even check. Sometimes I see lines like that, and I double check or check back just to see if it. Hit. Uh, but I didn't even check on it because it was just that ridiculous. Uh, NBA should 
getting more interesting though as we get further into or closer to All Star break. That's usually when teams start to pick it up a little bit, and then obviously after All Star break, you see guys really taking it serious. So I look forward to that because I just I'm I'm really loving everything I about college basketball. But college basketball is just it's just the man because once March Madness hits, it's over before you know it, and then you're just stuck with watching NBA and it's just a drag. I mean, I'm I'm a big baseball fan, but you can't go from March Madness to first pitch in baseball. It's just it's not the same level of excitement. I'm sorry. So um, as it's gonna, I need to get into the NBA. I really do because um, I've neglected it this year more so. I spot. But um, they they've got some great athletes in the NBA, and um, these new athletes coming in actually have some level of skill. Uh, even bigs, the bigs are, are evolving again, and, and I think that's really great for the sport. You're seeing more more bigs handling the rock, uh, more bigs doing everything but the post moves that a lot of our old heads love, and, and don't get me wrong, I like to see a good uh, post hook and stuff like that too, but I also like to see the skill set of a, of a 6'10", 6'11", 7 footer. We can put the ball on the floor, drive to the bucket, or who can get the ball uh, at the top of the key, give them a little triple threat action, and then drop a jump shot. I mean, that's if that's where the game's headed, I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with that. The game's headed to team totals of 240, 127 uh, wins over 122 type scores. Like, I'm not, not opposed to that either, per se. I don't think it's that. I really, I mean, defense isn't emphasized that much anymore. But I don't know if it's if it's. I just think the game's faster, honestly, and that's why we see a lot of people scoring more points because they're getting more opportunities because they're getting to the free throw line a lot more too. I'll look into that to see if the data really backs that. But I just can't buy that people don't play defense at all. Um, I feel like they do. It's just faster. Faster paced games, more opportunities, but either way. Um, so I'll wrap this up. Uh, this has been Talk to Talk episode three, uh, which I did solo, unfortunately. But next week, hopefully, we'll have my co host back or we'll have somebody call in. But we'll continue to build an audience. Um, the more participation we get, the more we can talk about things and expand on it. If people want me to just do a, uh, a gambling portion of the show, uh, all they got to do is just let me know. We could, we could talk about lines from the night before or the night of. I don't have that as well. Um, but right now, like I said, I'm going to check out this Warriors game. If you have Sports 1, Xavier and Villanova are playing right now. It's a pretty good game so far. Uh, Villanova's up 44-41, to 41, but Xavier's giving them everything they can handle, and um, I think that's another one of the games and just the Big East in general has been great this year. So anytime you can catch these Big East teams playing, I think you need to watch it because it's good college basketball. So this has been Talk to Talk, Episode 3. I'll catch you guys later.